Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. So great to be in front of you all again. So great to be here with you. So great to see all these smiling faces, even if you frown, and I love you too. (laughs) Just getting everything ready. Boom, there we go. How y'all doing? Doing good today? It's good to be here. Today's message is titled, The Dilemma of Peace. And I know some of you guys are saying, How are we talking about peace again? These Heartway folk, all they do is talk about peace and acceptance. And I'm tired of that. Can we talk about something else? (laughs) Right, nope. (laughs) We love to talk about peace here at Heartway, but the question is why do we talk about peace to the extent we do and with the fervency that we do? We talk about it and we immerse ourselves in it, number one, because love is our aim here, bar none, just putting it real simple. Love is our aim and anything that doesn't align with that is not in line with us. And love is a much easier destination when you're starting at peace because when you're peaceful, It's a lot easier to be loving. It's a lot easier to be loving when you don't have that friction bubbling up within yourself, when you're not experiencing that inner resistance. It's so much easier to not only communicate or express love to others and ourselves, but it's also a lot easier to behave in a way that is in alignment with love if we're starting with peace. And so with love being our aim, it makes sense that we really like to immerse in the awareness of pursuing peace and also allowing ourselves to receive peace. But the other reason, the other reason we discuss it so much is because a lot of times we talk about things and because we've become so familiar with speaking about it, we almost think that we know that thing. You can talk about peace, you can talk about a concept as long as you want. Doesn't mean that you got any of it. You can talk about peace for years and be as unpeaceful as you were the first day you learned how to spell that thing. And you know, we have to be careful about this because when you discuss a topic and you discuss it long enough. See, all right, I'm, I'm done trying to look smart now. Now I gotta be me. <laughs> and things was driving me crazy, right? But you can discuss a topic so much 
that it creates the illusion that you now understand the reality of that topic. You know, you can start to discuss it so much that you create a concept of that thing in your mind. Let me give you an example. Peace. Peace becomes a concept. And so when you hear the word peace, it's like, oh yeah, that again, I know what that is. Do you really? Do you, are you really discussing peace? You know, in the beginning of the Tao Te Ching, it says, that which can be spoken of is not the true Tao. So what you're speaking about, is that peace or is that the concept of peace in your mind? And the concept of peace is, quite frankly, it doesn't have a whole bunch of utility for you. It can serve as a signpost. It can point. Okay, that's the way to go to get peace. It's, it, it, the idea is almost like a crutch to help you move towards the thing or a training wheel. We can use the concept to help us get to the place, but it can't take us to the place. I want to talk about the place today. The place of peace. Not the idea of it. Because I don't know about y'all, I got to be honest, I don't really fear the death of this body. Because I'm like, if God is forever, then shoot, I'm forever too. So we're going to have to see what's next. I hope it's gangster, you know. <laughs> but I get to be in this body one time. I get to be this fool one time. So I kind of want to enjoy it, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want to dress fresh, and I want to, like, hang out with fresh people, and, like, you know, it's feeling pretty good right now, you know? <laughs> but it's not always feeling that way. And so I'm simply giving this extended intro to communicate that this is a new thing every time we talk about it. We never return to this. We're speaking about it because it's always fresh. Peace is always fresh. And so, may I pray? Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. I ask you for a hedge of protection around our minds, our bodies, our spirits, our energy. I just stand in gratitude and I stand requesting that you would disintegrate me during this discussion so thoroughly that there isn't any Ryan left, that all that's left is you. Because you said that as we decrease, you increase. And so, Lord, I ask humbly that you continue increasing as you continue decreasing me so that your people may be fed your word. Amen. Amen. The dilemma of peace. It seems kind of like a paradox, doesn't it? It's kind of like a quagmire, a conundrum. I like those words. How can we think of peace and think of dilemma in the same sentence? Well, let's see what a dilemma is first. Because that's another one of those words where we use the term dilemma so frequently. But what is a dilemma? A dilemma is a situation in which a difficult choice 
has to be made between two or more alternatives, especially equally undes undesirable ones. Now, keep that up there for me, please. Thank you. A situation in which a difficult choice has to be made between two or more alternatives. Now, first of all, it's so amazing how perpetually in this place, the message in the centering prayer just aligns. Where's Christine? Oh, the message, okay, that's cool. I'm, I'm gonna talk about it while she's going. That's all right. <laughs> but what she was speaking about today, about the alignment between the mind and the spirit, the connection between spirit and psychology is huge because the mind is our filter. And so peace in the context of spirituality, it, it's a specific reality, it's a, it's a real thing. Peace is one thing, but the way that we process peace, the way we experience peace is filtered through the lens of our mind. You follow me? And so when our minds process psychologically the spiritual reality of peace, it changes how we experience it. It changes how we perceive peace. And the main thing, a key thing we want to understand about the mind is that the mind is dualistic. It's constantly looking at duality because it, that's how it understands things. It understands things through comparison and contrast. North, south, east, west, hot, cold. A situation in which a difficult choice has to be made between two or more alternatives. So when our minds are psychologically processing peace, we have this habit of having it switch, having it be compared against two polarities. I'm gonna break this down for you. In this, in the italics right here, this is an example that was given. I didn't come up with this. This was literally on website when I looked at it. It was like the, the definition thing. I looked it up and that was right there and I was like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> the people often face the dilemma of feeding themselves or their cattle. Now, if you're talking about feeding yourself, you'd say, oh, of course I'm gonna feed myself instead of feed my cattle. But you gotta take into consideration, who has cattle? Do any of y'all have cattle just chilling at your house? <laughs> if you do, uh, all right, God bless you. But you know, <laughs> who has cattle? Farmers. They have these cattle for a reason. They have these cattle because they are livestock. They have these cattle because that is what they're raising up in order to sell them so that they can have money. And so it's basically saying here, not, don't think of it as they're choosing whether to feed themselves or feed the cattle. What they're saying is they're choosing whether to feed themselves now or feed themselves later. You following me? And so two choices, two opponents even, two opposing sides. And so when our minds, I'm going to bring this home, don't worry. When our minds process peace, we have a habit of comparing it against other things. We create these opponents to peace in our mind. 
and we have to choose which one to prioritize. And the reason why we struggle to experience peace so often is because oftentimes we choose the other one. We take peace, we make it second. There are these opponents to peace in our mind, and we often prioritize those. And so today, what we're going to be speaking about is these opponents of peace, these opponents of peace that we keep in our mind. And as a result of giving our energy, giving our resources, giving our focus to these opponents, we actually take peace away from ourselves. Because yes, so much happens in this world that can feel like it steals our peace. But the way I look at it is, I can't spend the majority of my time thinking about the things I can't change. I can't spend it thinking about the things I cannot control. As an, and as a matter of fact, something that I've established as a, as a value within myself is I won't allow myself to think about the things I can't control if I haven't yet addressed the things I can control. Because if I got an issue with you, and I need to have a talk with you, before I have that talk with you, I'm going to talk to me first. I'm going to talk to me about how much I need to get done, what I need to address in this situation, what emotions I need to address before I step to you so that I ensure that when I communicate with you, my communication is in alignment with finding a solution as opposed to fisticuffs. I'm playing. We don't do that no more. We grown, you know what I'm saying? And so we're going to be talking about the three opponents or three of the opponents of peace. The first of which, opponent one, peace versus control. <laughs> I see some smiles in here. Now just take a second. Which one do you prioritize? <laughs> See, if I, could, if I could sing like that, I would have said that too. <laughs> that was good. But which one do you prioritize, really? And I'm not just talking about right now in this moment. You know when you find out what you prioritize? When your resources are threatened. You know what you find out what you prioritize? When you don't have the capacity to... Pro to Give attention and resources to all of the priorities. You got to choose. It's easy to say, oh, peace right now. What about in your dark moments? What about when you're against the wall? What about when life is squeezing that juice all about your lemons? Do you prioritize peace now? Or do you prioritize control? Hmm. And that right there comes to the, to the point of it. A lot of us, oftentimes, we're, we're not experiencing peace, not because it's unavailable to us. We've actually made a subconscious choice that peace is not my focus right now. My focus is control. You following me? And some would argue a great point, actually, which is, no, I value peace, but for me, 
I feel like control is the pathway to peace. I feel like when I've got control, then I'm at peace. So I'm trying to get to peace. It's just this is a prerequisite for it, which sounds really good. And you know what? I really relate to the idea of that being right. But the problem is, how often can you control stuff? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I know there's a lot of planets. I, I'm on Earth. I'm on Earth. When I took physics, they forgot to mention that. That's, I'm pretty sure that's in the physics book. That, by the way, stuff don't go your way out here. Excuse me for the ebonics. <laughs> but it doesn't. And so if my prerequisite to peace needs to be control in a dynamic world that I cannot command, stuff's not, I'm going to lack peace a lot of the time. And it also means that I'm going to become subservient to the world outside of me. That's the dilemma. If I need control to have peace, then that means I am going to be subservient to what happens outside of me. No wonder I get mad as heck at people when they cut me off. What does it mean that I'm angry that you cut me off? It means I'm blaming you for disturbing my peace. I'm blaming you for disturbing my peace. Why? Because I don't, I'm not in a state, I'm not in an autonomous state. I'm telling myself that control needs to come first, whereas it's the opposite. It is with peace that we gain control. It is from a state of peace that we gain control. And I don't mean this in a woo-woo way. I mean, literally, when I am peaceful, I see clearer. I step more orderly. I am able to judge situations more acutely. And quite frankly, I can tell you one thing about me. I'm very imperfect. I'm even more imperfect when I'm super unpeaceful. But one thing I can say about me is that when I got peace, my lens gets real clear. When I got peace, I can hear, it's, it's like God singing in my ear. When I got peace, I'm not coming into situations hoping that the situation goes my way. I'm coming into situations saying, I'm, I shake the room when I walk in it. Not because of me, but because of the peace of God that's in me. Let's go. It is a transformative thing. And so the thing to understand about this control dilemma is that Oh, by the way, I'm sorry. First off, we're going to be discussing three opponents today. And for each opponent, I'm going to provide you a question or offer you a question that will help you to think about that dilemma with peace a little bit differently. You got me? Because I don't want to just leave you guys with three dilemmas. That would suck. You know what I mean? <laughs> what happened when I came to church today? I learned about three dilemmas. You know? <laughs> Did they solve them? Nah. They said, have a great day. You know? <laughs> and so there's going to be a, a question to bring with each one. 
And the question provided with or offered with the first opponent of peace, control, am I suffering the desire to control something out of my hands? When you experience yourself not having peace and you realize you're in a situation where you desire more control, you desire to alter certain aspects of that situation, Am I suffering the desire to control something out of my hands? Another person's behavior? Another person's opinions? Another person's limitations? Now get this one. My own limitations? Am I suffering that? You know, you know something I love about Danny? That man, one thing I can say about Danny, and everybody that knows that man can say about him is whatever he is on any given day, he is 100% being himself. Like, I promise you, he's not trying to please you. <laughs> like, he makes fun of it because I will crack up laughing so many times when I'm hanging out with him. I was just chilling with him this weekend. And we was just, just hanging out the house, like talking. You know, this is me and we're, we're talking about the game, basketball game, talking about philosophy, talking, you know, what do you think about, you know, this thing? Like just all over the place. And the whole time I'm sitting there talking to him, he'll just have these moments where he'll just say something. And I'm like, where did that come from? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or I'll ask him a question and his response, it's so clear that he's not trying to please anyone and he's not trying to alter his answer based upon what someone else thinks the right answer is. He's authentically Danny. That's something that I respect a lot about that man. And I bring that up because it's something that I like to refer to as authentic spirituality. So many times we'll be dealing with an internal limitation. You know how frustrating it is to be mad at yourself? <laughs> like just keeping it 100, I'd rather have to be mad at somebody else. Because if I'm mad at myself, I could just sit there in the mirror and be like, you a whole fool, you know that? <laughs> we've been talking about this. As long as we've been able to talk, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and here you are again, you know, 30 years, still tripping. You know, that's how it feels. But at the same time, I'm only able to do, and I'm only able to know, and I'm only able to execute to the level that I'm capable of at the time. When you know better, you do better. And sometimes, a quick way to peace, side note, sometimes a quick way to peace, when you're trying to control yourself, when what you're suffering is the inability to control your own limitations, is to just be honest enough to say, this is where I'm at right now. This is where I'm at right now. You ever met spiritual people who gotta act like they're in spiritual mode all the time. Spiritual people where if you ask them a question, they gotta know the answer because they're scared, not only for other people to see them as less spiritual, they're scared to see themselves as less spiritual. They've got an identity to uphold. 
as opposed to saying, this is where I'm at right now. And so I ask you this question, am I suffering the desire to control something out of my hands? Because honestly, that knocks out 70% of the struggle. <laughs> so many times, it's our inability to prioritize peace over control. We just need to remind ourselves, wait, what is my aim right now? Like I'm thinking, I'm thinking about this, I'm processing this issue because I want a solution. But I need to audit, what am I prioritizing? What's the goal of my thinking? And when you stop and you allow yourself to make it peace, Prioritize the peace before you prioritize the control, before you prioritize the knowing, before you prioritize the answer. And so I say to myself, that's how I address this dilemma, the dilemma of peace versus control. I say, do I have peace? No. Do I have control? No. Is there an aspect of the situation that needs to be controlled immediately? <laughs> like, is there a fire in the house? <laughs> then I'm gonna go handle that. But if it's not on that level, if I've got an issue of peace and I've got an issue of control, let me get peace first. Because in a state of peace, now I've got control of one thing I didn't have control a second ago, me. And like I said, I'm very imperfect. But when I got control of me, look out. That's a dangerous brother right there. That's a dangerous brother right there. Next one. The second opponent, peace versus justice. This is a huge topic. And I don't just mean a huge topic in society. I mean a huge topic in our lives. Because, you know, when uh, the, the term justice, it's like, it's this enormous schema. There's so many topics and ideas that come rushing to our mind when we say the word justice. But bring it down to the personal level. What does justice mean to you? And I'm actually asking you to take a second and question that. What does justice mean to you? Can you guys shout out some words for me? What does justice mean to you? Give me a, give me a synonym. Fairness. Fairness. Equality. Equality. Equity. Equity. Mutual care. Mutual care. Friends. Friends? Rights. Mm. Calling out wrongs. Calling out wrongs. Karma. Karma. Mm. Beautiful. When I think about justice, I think about all of these words too. They come to my mind. But the other word that comes to my mind is protection. Protection. Because I think about times that I've felt wrong. Or I think about times where I've observed the wrongdoing of other people that has impacted other people. And I feel that fire emerge in me to see justice brought forth. What I think about in that moment, I ask myself, why is it that I'm so, I'm so wanting justice to prevail right now? Of course. Because, you know, I, I want the situation to turn out right for the victim, whether I perceive myself as a victim or if someone else is a victim in another situation. But 
on a deeper level, on an emotional level, on a psychological level, why am I desiring this justice so thoroughly? And quite frankly, there's a few things. If justice doesn't prevail in that situation, it's not reinforcing my beliefs. I've got a belief system riding on justice prevailing. Because now imagine justice doesn't prevail in a terrible situation. And then I start seeing that consistently justice isn't prevailing. Guess what? Now I'm starting to not feel safe. Because now I feel like if I was in that situation, I'm not gonna be covered. You get me? But also, my belief about that situation has now changed. Here's a perfect example. Do you know why and why, so when they've studied the behaviors of people, depending on their community and where they live, whether you know, it's a community that makes a whole bunch of money or a community that's you know, inner city, struggling, there's a lot of poverty, there's a lot of violence, and someone asked the question, they said, why is it that these inner city college students don't save their money in the bank? Why aren't they saving their money? Why are they spending their money on these guns and violence? I was literally listening to an interview and the uh, professor answered. He said, they don't put their money in the bank because you've got to trust that your money will be there next week. He said, if you don't trust your money will be there next week, you're not gonna put the money in the bank. And he goes, and for a lot of these kids, they don't even trust that they'll be here next week. They wake up in the morning happy that a gunshot didn't go through the window. And you're asking them to invest in a future that they don't know that they'll be here to see. And so, in that inner city, a lot of injustices have happened there. And as a result of those injustices, those injustices created a lack of trust. And when we lack trust in our reality, in our world, in our environment, we don't engage it the same way. We engage it from a state of fear. And so, what I'm saying is, when justice is threatened, it's not just affecting the situation. It actually shakes us to our core. It shakes our belief system. It shakes our hope in the future. It shakes our idea of morality and value and ethics. It shakes everything up. And so we find ourselves in so many situations where, oh, and one more thing, the other thing that gets shaken up when justice doesn't go, when, when, when we feel like justice doesn't prevail, is that it, we lose predictability, you know? It's predictable, if this, then that. We think in algorithms. But now if I'm no longer able to predict my world, do you understand how crazy your mind will go if it starts feeling like it can't predict the world? I think so many people are scared of being in a relationship. They say they want a relationship, and then the second they get into one, they're scared as heck, and they're self-sabotaging, and they're trying to get out that thing first quarter. 
Because <laughs> now that they've experienced some life, relationships, they realize that relationships don't always have the predictability that they did in the, in the folk tales, in the love stories. You know what I'm saying? It was A plus B equals C. Shorty walks in the ball, she meets him, they get married, they have a kid, you know what I mean? It's A plus B equals C. But the reality of relationship looks a lot different for that person, especially when they've been through trauma. They've lost the predictability. And if we really go even deeper, the feeling of injustice causes so much of all of our negative emotions. How many injustices do you feel like you've experienced? And I don't even mean at the hands of people. You know the people who are most angry? Those are the people who feel like they've faced injustices at the hand of their own reality. They feel like reality has wronged them. I got dealt a bad, a bad hand of cards. I went through this, and I was just getting on my feet, and I didn't expect it. I was doing good, and then my granddad got cancer. It's this perception of injustice. And so as a result, what happens? It creates anger, it creates distrust, it creates resistance. All of things, all things that are antithetical to peace. And so here's a question. How can I bring justice to my heart before justice is brought to my situation? Can I be a beacon of justice before I try to be a seer of justice? Can I be the change I want to receive? Can I be the change I want to see? And I'm not talking about in totality. You know, of course, if you're enlightened, okay, cool. Maybe you're just able to just, you know, not desire any of these things. But realistically, you know, we're going to seek some justice regardless of what we say in here today. But can I first be that? That's what this is about. That's why I say priority. I say priority because when something's my priority, I address it first. In the same way when you're on an airplane and they say, when those masks drop down, help yourself first, then help your child or the next person. That's what this is. This is putting on your mask first. And not just putting on your mask first for safety, putting on your mask first for success, for execution. You know, peace is not just this woo-woo term. It is a powerful thing. It is a powerful thing. We live in a world where so much of who we are and what we are is based off of our traumas and our coping mechanisms. Peace is real. It's real. It's real. And we need to prioritize it as such. And so that's what I want to leave you with the second question. Now for the final opponent. Peace versus survival. 
Survival of what? <laughs> survival of what? Survival of this body? Survival of identity? Survival of belief systems? I feel like this, no, I don't feel like I know. This is definitely the one we struggle the most with in terms of prioritizing peace over its opponent. Because we don't talk about enough, I mean, we do here, thank God, but we don't talk about enough in our daily lives that we face and experience death often. Every time you attach to an idea and that idea crumbles, you experience the death. Every time you lose a friend that mattered to you, you're experiencing a death. Every time you are attached to a position and you have to be removed from that position for one reason or another, you're experiencing a death. Let me give you an example. You ever noticed when someone's deep in their experience of victimhood. And now when I say victimhood, that can be a fully legitimized position. You can fully be a victim to a situation, bar none. But have you noticed that when a person is emotionally attached to the idea of feeling victimized, as a matter of fact, I'll talk about you. Have you ever experienced that? Where someone tries to come up to you and give you some genuine insights to help you reframe your position in that situation? Have you ever been feeling like a victim, someone does that, and you ain't trying to hear that right now? Yes. Right, right. And it's not even that you're trying to tell them they're wrong, it's just, you feel this weird dissonance inside you. Like, it's, it's hard to explain. It's almost like you're, it pisses you off more. Yeah. Like, it pisses, like, why, don't, bro, don't bring this to me right now. You know, why? Why does that anger us? Because I feel like, in that moment, if I acknowledge what you're telling me that leads to me Reframing my position as a victim, I now feel like I'm denying myself. I feel like if I reframe my position and I back up from that identity as a victim, I now feel like I'm not vouching for myself. I now feel like I'm not protecting myself. I'm, whatever happened there, I'm saying it's okay that justice isn't prevailing. You get what I'm saying? I feel like I'm, nah, I need it for real. You guys know what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> that's, a, that's a powerful thing. It's literally, if we go deeper, it's saying that right now, this identity as a victim is so meaningful to me because there's something riding on it. If I don't see this through, if I don't address this, if I don't stand here and declare, I am a victim. Hey, I live in a world where it's very likely if I don't do that, then I'm not going to get justice. And also, they won't honor my victimhood if I don't first honor my victimhood. 
It's very true. There are people who are victims of heinous things, and we need to stand beside them and say, yes, you are a victim of that, and we will seek justice on whoever and whatever it was that imposed itself onto you, for sure. But I'm talking about on the emotional level, on the spiritual level. You can acknowledge that you're a victim, but you don't got to emote like one. You don't have to process the situation as one. And how does this tie into survival? It's because what we struggle with is we tell ourselves, if I let go of this victimhood identity, there's a death that occurs. There's a death that occurs, and it feels like it, which is why it's so painful when we go through something that's terrible and we feel like the world rejects the authenticity of that event. If somebody has been assaulted and the world is telling that person that didn't happen, and you, and or excuse me, and that person is standing there saying, no, this happened to me, and they're like, no, it didn't happen. There's a death that occurs internally. There's a pain that those of us who haven't experienced that have no idea of the depth of. And we don't have the right to speak of it, except to acknowledge that we don't understand it. It's huge. There's a death that occurs. But simply, what I'm bringing to you is, when we are facing peace, and the opponent of an idea or a concept that we're trying to keep alive, we need to start with prioritizing peace because there's some stuff that we need to let die. We protect our, our, our thoughts, we protect our beliefs so much so much so that we'll let it steal our peace. So much. But we have to choose peace. And we have to let it die. When a person who is in a victim state, there's a reason why I keep using the victimhood thing. Because everybody here can attach to that. Everybody here can connect to it. When you let go of the identity of a victim, it's not that you're failing to vouch for yourself. You're acknowledging that, yes, I'm a victim, but I'm simultaneously the victim and the victor. I claim victory over that which victimized me while declaring that I was a victim of it and I will seek justice. But in order to get to that position, I got to get to peace first. I got to at least prioritize the peace first. And so my question for the final opponent, what beliefs or attachments am I guarding so fiercely that I prioritize them over my peace? That's the question that I'd like for you to chew on today. What are the beliefs, what are the attachments that I'm guarding that I know are driving me crazy? 
What kind of people are you holding on to that are driving you crazy? And you come up with every reason in the book as to why you should hold on to them. But they're a good person and they're this. Listen, there's no such thing as a good person. It's not because people aren't good. It's because people are the full spectrum. If a person's a great person today, they might show up different tomorrow. So it's got nothing to do with that. What's the junk you holding on to in your head that you're choosing over your peace? I know that we went pretty conceptual today, but if you throw out everything I said today and take one thing, what would it be? Acknowledge that you're making a choice every moment of your life. And acknowledge that, there, that it's not just you don't have peace when you feel like you're not having it. Acknowledge that you're making a choice over peace so often. And that's what's causing you not to experience it. We need to claim autonomy over our spirituality. You know what I'm saying? We pray about stuff. We talk about stuff. But we need to hold ourselves accountable. Am I peaceful? No. Well, is peace important enough to me right now? Does it matter enough to me? Maybe peace hasn't showed up because I haven't opened the door wide enough. Maybe peace hasn't showed up because peace needs to come into an empty room and I welcomed somebody else in first. Maybe I welcomed in control before I welcomed in peace. And so if you learn to prioritize peace and genuinely see it as a true and authentic aim for your life, it'll start taking care of these dilemmas a lot more frequently. You'll start finding that, no, I don't have peace all the time, but I'm seeing it rendezvous with me much more often. And the more I do that, the more I choose peace over trying to control you. The more I say to myself, if you never talk to me again, God bless you, but you know what else? God bless me. God bless me. The more that you say to yourself, you know what? This is a situation where I feel like there is an injustice here. Let me find my peace first. Let me bring justice to my heart first. So that then I can play my role in seeing forth that justice comes to pass in reality. And with the survival thing, let me find peace first. Let me choose peace first. Instead of trying to protect these outdated parts of me out of familiarity, let me stop choosing my familiar pain over new peace. New peace. Thank you. Love you guys. So we thank you so much for being here. I love you guys. Thank you for sharing this time. We'll see you next Sunday, Hartway. We love you. <laughs>